Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a sermon series called Life Together on Mission. Together, we're learning to join Jesus in his mission in this world. Thanks for joining us. Well, I I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Mark's Gospel, the first chapter. We're going to look at verse 35 and following a little bit uh, later in the message. But if you can open to Mark chapter 1, if you're using one of the black Bibles in the seat rack near you, it's on page 812. That's up there on the screen in case you're turning to it. And we're going to look at that a little bit later in the message. So if you can just mark that place, we're going to come to that a little later than usual today. But I want to just remind you where we've been. Chuck already mentioned it. But we're in this series called Life Together on Mission. Two weeks ago, we talked about our mission, our vision, our values, and our strategy. Then last week, Brian talked about Uh, This whole idea of living life together on mission means that we need to apprentice Jesus. And one guy, I heard one guy say, I didn't like the word apprentice, but the more Brian talked, the more I liked it. And I thought, that's right, because we don't use that word a lot. So he used several different definitions. And one of the things he said, though, is that to understand what it means, apprenticing Jesus has three goals. To spend time with Jesus, to become like Jesus to do what Jesus did. And so as we think about that, here's a definition that was given by Dallas Willard. An apprentice is a person who decides to be with another person under appropriate conditions in order to learn to do what that person does or to become what that person is. Now, some of us may say, wait, Jesus was God. There's a little difference between me and Jesus. So what about that? Well, he gave this quote as well from Dallas Willard here on the screen. As a disciple of Jesus, I am with him by choice and by grace, learning from him how to live life in the kingdom of God. This is a crucial idea. I'm learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live my life if he were I. I'm not necessarily learning to do everything he did, but I am learning how to do everything I do in the manner that he did all that he did. And Brian went on to say that so often, if we're going to apprentice with Jesus, we need to understand the habits in our lives. One last quote from Dallas Willard, it's this, is that our habits are perfectly designed to get the results we are getting. So what does it look like? So today... We want to talk to you, starting today, about five simple habits that you and I can practice, that Jesus practiced, that if we'll practice them the way Jesus practiced them, they will get a different result in the way that we rub shoulders with people in our community and world. And we want to talk about that with you. And so, if you're following along in the notes, what I'd like you to see is that becoming like Jesus means practicing the rhythms and habits that he did. Becoming like Jesus means practicing the rhythms and habits that he did. Now, One of the habits is that he prayed. He prayed a lot. He prayed all the time, actually. In fact, I've listed a couple verses there in that first couple gray boxes, Luke 5, 16 and Mark 1, 35. Would you mind reading those with me? So let's read Luke 5, 16 first together out loud, full voice. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
And if you skip down to Mark 135, this is a text I asked you to turn to, but we're just going to read the first verse of it right now. Would you read that with me? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, if you're following along, here's one of the key ideas. Jesus prayed to see where his father was already working. Jesus prayed to see where his father was already working. Now, uh, out to the right, I've listed John 5, 17. Here's what Jesus said to a crowd one day. My father is always, how often is he at work? Always at work, at his work to this very day, and I too am working. In other words, I'm working with him. I'm joining him. My father's at work, and I, I, I'm looking for the ways that he's working. We'll talk more about that passage in just a little bit. But here's just a quick story. Uh, I got together with some friends in Auburn the other night. And I don't spend a lot of time in Auburn, but I've been there a number of times. And as I was driving up Route 4 to turn into town, I was just noticing different things. And so I noticed the Methodist church on my left. I noticed the Christian church on my left. And then I turned to the stoplight and uh, I went to their house and we were having dinner. And I somehow brought up the fact that, um, hey, um, I noticed you have the Methodist church. And I also noticed the Christian church. And, and my host said, Christian church? I don't, I don't know where that's at. Now, mind you, he grew up, he's lived in this town his whole life. And so I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's after the Methodist church if you're coming, you know, south. And he said, I don't know if I know where that's at. And we were laughing because he drives route four, he, he drives past it every day. Now, I've had this happen too. All I want to say is you can go past things every day and that doesn't mean you see them. You and I can walk past people every day, and that doesn't mean we see them. You and I can pass ways that God is working around us, and we may not see them. How do we see them? Praying is one of the ways that God gets us in sync, gets us in tune opens our eyes to see. And Jesus, one of the reasons he prayed is that even though he was God, he had surrendered his rights as God and submitted them to the Father so that as a human being, he could eventually teach us how to be led this way. And so if you're following along, Jesus' way of prayer prepares us to go as his sent people. Jesus' way of prayer prepares us to go as his sent people. Now, we're going to use this phrase a lot. What does it mean to be a sent person? In other words, do you believe that God called you? Do you believe that he wants to send you back into the world in a different way, in a different person, as a different person, as a representative of his in the world? Here's what he once said to his disciples, John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, what's the next phrase, friends? I am sending you. He is saying, look, here, you're my plan. Yeah, I know you feel imperfect. I know you, you mess up at times, but you're my plan. I'm sending you. Are you a sent person? So as we talk about this, um, I don't, we invited you to bring your journals. And I don't know if you brought your journal. But uh, if you did, even if you didn't, let me show you a picture. On the inside back panel 
yeah, you'll see this page. This is actually what we passed out two weeks ago in a little bit larger form. And there at the bottom, do you see that circled red area? And you may say, uh, Jeff, it's a little small, I can't read it. So here's what it says. And by the way, in the back of your notes, you'll find this exact same thing. So prayerfully, in fact, would you mind reading this with me? Prayerfully go into our community and world as sent people to join Jesus in his mission. So we talked about the fact that we want to do life together with Jesus, one another, and our community and world, and how? Through, as we gather, as we grow, and as we go. This series is all about what does it mean for us to go back into our everyday lives, back into the world, in such a way that we are his sent people. This is what we're going to talk about today. And the first habit that we want to get better at is pray. Now, as soon as I say this word, I, I've been a pastor long enough to know that people will tell me I, I'm not good at that. And what I want to just say, I wrote a note on my notes this week to say this out loud to you. You can do this. You can learn this. And as you get better at this, as you practice this more, as this becomes more a part of you, you're going to see how powerful it is just to do it in a childlike way. But as you and I will learn how to pray like this, Jesus way of praying, that it'll change our lives. And what I want to suggest to you today are three facets of prayer that are often overlooked or not talked about. A lot of people think prayer is a one way I talk to God. But prayer is a two-way relationship. It's a two-way conversation. And there are things in the spirit in which we pray that make all the difference in the world. So would you uh, pray with me about us learning how to pray, okay? Lord, if we're going to be growing disciples who make disciples, then we need you to teach us how to pray. And I ask that you'll use this message today to refresh the hearts of some and to instruct the hearts of others. And I pray for anyone here that doesn't yet know you. I ask, Lord, that even this message would be used to touch their heart and lead them to you. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so habit number one, prayer. Out to the right in my notes in that open space, here's what I wrote. This is our vertical relationship. Okay? When you think about prayer, as we think about rubbing shoulders with people in our community and world, that's the horizontal relationship. We're going to talk more about a second habit next week that's more about the horizontal. Today, we're going to talk about the habit that is vertical. What is your relationship like with the Lord? How do you interact with him? If it's a relationship, how are you and I interacting with him? So as we talk about that, the very first thing, when we follow Jesus' way, when we look at how he prayed, the very first thing that I notice as I study his life and think about the habits and the way that he formed rhythms in his life, if you're following along, when you pray, you need to freshly surrender. If you're following along, when you pray, the very most important thing when you pray is to freshly surrender and we offer ourselves to him. Why, why is this so important? I don't know if you remember a couple weeks ago and then Brian had us read it again last week. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Why did he say that out front when different people, crowds were so big? Because he knew that if we don't get this one settled, if we're constantly unsurrendered, 
It'll be a fight the entire time for him to lead us. And so as we think about that, I, I'm learning that each time I pray, he is interested in me realizing that he's the king, I'm not. I need to freshly surrender, yield, submit myself to him gladly, gladly. In light of what he's done for me, in light of the cross being the ultimate sign of surrender, Jesus leads the way in that. So if you're following along, notice that Jesus teaches us to pray your will not my will be done. When the disciples were asking him, hey, teach us how to pray, we've all heard the Lord's Prayer, at least I think most of us have. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then what's the next part? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he just said, look, pray. You know, when you pray, are you, do you really mean it when you say your will be done, not mine? Now, Jesus would get tested like no one's ever been tested. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when it was time for him to go to the cross, there, I mean, the whole weight of the world's sin and the evil one coming on him that night, Jesus fought through that, and what did he pray three times? Nevertheless, if it's possible to drink any other cup to save the world, <laughs> God, I'm all ears. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now, this week in my journal, I, uh, I wrote something to this effect. I said, Jesus, you don't call us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow you without going first. It's your surrender and self-denial that moves me to follow you. Oh, let me lose myself in you and your purposes. Let me hunger to be with you and learn from you and get in the yoke with you. I'm struck by your wholehearted, glad surrender to the Father. And so Jesus never asked us to do something that he wasn't willing to do, but he said, look, when I came to earth, all the time I was freshly surrendering to the Father. I was saying, I am totally offering myself to you. I'm available. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to keep saying, no, I want to do my way. I'm going to do it your way, freshly surrender. And notice, why is this so important? because we can't give ourselves fully to Jesus and his mission until we do. We can't give ourselves fully to Jesus and his mission until we do. We said a couple weeks ago, here's our vision. To see people of every generation giving themselves fully to Jesus and his mission. And so we can't, it's, it's, it's a joke to say we're giving ourselves fully to Jesus if in fact we are not surrendered. If in fact, now, here's what I want to just say to you about this in case you think this is a one-time thing. I can't skip even a day. I can't skip even an hour sometimes. I amaze myself at how I will exert my will again. And so to stay in a place where I go, oh, remind me that being a disciple, it's about you. It's not about me as much as it's about you. Show me how to do this in such a way that I am Jeff Nelson surrendered, not Jeff Nelson in charge. Now, let me just say a couple of things about this. I, I know I talk a lot about my, my dad, but my mom has also been an incredible prayer warrior for me. And one of the things that she says to me on a regular basis is, Jeff, stay yielded. Some of you may say, why does she say that? Because she knows me. 
Otherwise, she wouldn't have to say, stay yielded, because she would just go, well, he stays yielded without me saying that. No, she knows that I can get off the horse as quickly as anybody. So she just reminds me, stay yielded, stay surrendered, stay submitted, stay willing, stay willing, stay ready. One of my favorite pictures, I think I've told you about this before, is from the movie The Black Stallion. I think I even showed a clip of this one time. It's the story of a boy that finds himself awake on a beach one day after a ship has wrecked. And he wakes to the sound of pounding hooves and this gargantuan, black, beautiful, black horse. And it's the only, they're the only two that survive this shipwreck. The boy eventually creatively finds a way to get on the back of that horse and to ride that horse. And eventually the horse responds under his touch. And eventually, all the boy has to do is just touch the back of his mane and the horse will go wherever he wants him to go because it's a relationship. And do you know what humility is? It's strength under control. A lot of people think humility is acting like you're a worm. No, it's letting your strength, which God has given you, be under his control. So that when you and I, all throughout the day, we go, okay, God, I have to unlearn all kinds of habits where I'm in charge. I have to learn, unlearn all kinds of ways where I think I'm the center of the world. Show me how to be so responsive to your will that when you begin to just touch my life, I will move however you want to move me. And when you and I begin to pray like this, it's a completely different spirit. And if we, it's a struggle, then we just need to admit the struggle and say, help me get to surrender because that's the place. That's the place where your grace will flow through me with power to other people. And so I just think about this now. I, I used to spend time writing out my prayers now. Sometimes I type out my prayers. I've done it both ways. But I used to use a little prayer sheet, so I thought I'd just show you a little thing I did to remind myself that if I get all the way through my prayers and I haven't surrendered myself to God, then I haven't finished praying yet. So here's just a couple pictures. This is the bottom of one of my prayer sheets, and I had the word submission, choosing to bow the knee to Christ. Now, I'm not an artist, so that little you know, stick figure there, I'll give you a little close-up if I want to humiliate myself. But the point is, is that I just drew that each time to remind myself, oh God, let me be Jeff surrendered today. Let me be yours. Let me belong to you. Because that's how you made me to be a growing disciple. And I'm only being like you when I act that way. So that's the first thing. You know, freshly surrender. But what's the second thing? The second thing is to consciously depend on the Lord and his spirit's power if you're following along. So while we're praying, we, we need to remember, Lord, I know you want me to freshly surrender and I am dangerous when I don't. So help me also, but not only to do that, but then to consciously depend on you and your spirit's power. Jesus said this when he was sending out his disciples. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he doesn't say go without empowering us. But he can give us all the power in the world. If we still trust in our own power, we'll miss it. And this is American, to be independent-spirited, to say I can get it done all by myself. 
I don't need your help, God. Go help somebody that really needs it. Friends, if I've learned anything from 35 years of preaching, I don't have any power to change your life. But I know someone who does. And I believe that if I will depend on him, I will be what Jesus says, a fruitful person. But only as I depend on him. He has a thousand ways where I can see not one. When all my means have reached their end, then his have just begun. And so part of praying is just doing this. Now, let me just tell you that why this gets me emotional. I got away from God in high school. And God so graciously melted my heart that as I looked over the year and a half where I had willfully done my own stuff, I was so ashamed of how I'd treated him and other people. But God, instead of condemning me for that, helped me see a vision of what it would look like instead of being willful, now being dependent upon him. So every morning, I would, before I comb my hair or did anything to look better, I would go and stand in front of the mirror, and I would go, it's a brand new day, Jesus. I'm yours. Show me how to lean on you, to rely on you, to trust you today. I'm going to be in a high school where there's a bunch of people that don't know you and don't care about you. Help me be your representative today. And I'll be watching for opportunities Show me how to depend on you. And so I've been practicing this for years, but guess what? I need to practice this this morning just like I did years ago. There's never a day I don't need to depend on the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes, the Bible says. Depend on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And so if you're following along, notice this. Here's again Jesus' practice. Jesus did all of life with and nothing without the Father. Jesus did all of life with and nothing without the Father. Here's what I'm trying to say. Sunday only discipleship is not discipleship. It's an everyday thing. He wants to do all of life with us. He wants us to do all of life with him. This is why we pray to make sure our heart is beating with his. This is why we pray to make sure we're syncing up with him and his purposes in the world. And so Jesus made this incredible statement. Earlier we read 5.17. Now look at John 5.19, what he says. After he said, my father is always working and I'm working too, look what he says. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. He says, look, you need to know that as I walk through this life with you, as you see me do powerful things, as you see me interact with people in a loving way that's unusual, you need to know that's because I'm relying completely on my father. I am asking him to show me how to do this every relationship. Some people go, well, Jesus, you're God. Yes, remember, Jesus actually submitted his prerogatives and his rights as God, Philippians 2 said. He didn't lose his deity, but he submitted the prerogatives and the privileges of deity so that he could show us what it looks like as a human being to depend on God the Father. 
And as he did that, he calls us to do the same. So all throughout our prayer, oh God, oh God, if I abide in you, you will bear much fruit through me, but help me lean on you and not trust in myself as the ultimate source. Let you be the source. And so if you're following along, when we rely on him, we can go with courage. When we rely on him, we can go with courage. Friends, some of you right now, you're tempted to say, I'm afraid. You're tempted to say, I'm unworthy. You're tempted to say, I'm not good at this. You see Christianity as a performance rather than a relationship. And so you constantly are grading yourself. Here's what I want to say to you. Don't do that anymore. If you get away from relying on him, run back to relying on him. It's, the, it's a childlike step that you and I can take. Just say, I am not the end all and be all of this day. God, show me how to do it with you. And the more you practice that, and the more conscious you become of that, it becomes part of you. And this is what he wants for us. So uh, just last week, there was a lady that was like a second mother to me out in Iowa. I had to do her funeral. She died suddenly after uh, having a blood clot go to the lung. And, um, but she, the years leading up to before she passed away, on Sunday, she would come up to me and say, Jeff, don't forget where your power comes from. Have you, by the way, have you noticed a tendency in my mother and my second mother? They know something about me. But there's, they helped me so much. Jeff, don't forget where your power comes from. Oh, that was so helpful. Because I forget. But when I don't forget, and when I consciously, intentionally depend on the Lord, more things have happened, friends. I could tell you stories for hours that amaze me of what God can do through an ordinary human being that's willing to depend and surrender. And so as I think about that, let me just show you several different verses here. Acts 4.13. Uh, we've read this one recently too, but look, look what it says about this. When they saw, what's the next words, friends? The courage of Peter and John. Now remember, Peter was so scared, he denied Jesus three times. So if you say, well, Peter's a disciple, I never could be like that. Peter buckled. But now, now that Jesus has given him another opportunity and taught him how to come back to relying, look at this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. These are Jesus' enemies now. And they took note that these men, what was their secret, friends, had been with Jesus. Because Jesus rose again and is alive, you and I can be with him through his Holy Spirit. And this is an incredible privilege. It's the secret of the Christian life. But notice this, 2 Corinthians, this is a harking to what Chuck said earlier, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Um, I don't know if you have ups and downs. I have lots of them. And one day, I remember I was uh, on Wabash, and I think I was right by Sandberg School at a light, and I basically was telling the Lord, Lord, I, I can't do this. This pastor stuff is, I'm so discouraged. I am so weak. I, and then all of a sudden, across the ticker of my mind came 2 Corinthians 4, 1, six verses before that, that says, since we have this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. 
And it just reminded me that I'm only able to rub shoulders and go because of the mercy of God. And the mercy of God is what continues to help me not lose heart. It gives us courage. And you and I can step into the world. So, freshly surrender. Consciously depend. And the third part of praying that we see from Jesus, and by the way, this is when you'll actually need that part in the Bible that I was telling you about, is to humbly listen to the Lord and tune in to his Spirit's voice. To humbly listen to the Lord and tune in to his Spirit's voice. Now, why is this such a big deal? Most of us see prayer as talking. And you're talking to a talker. So for me, one of the biggest takeaways is listening. One of the most important things in prayer is to listen for what God is saying, what God is up to, what God wants to do. And most of the time, if you're like me, kind of a driven person, you're going so fast and you're going, just give it to me in a sound bite, Lord. I really don't have time to listen long. And he just goes, whoa, whoa, slow down. Be with me. One of the reasons why Jesus went to desolate places, lonely places, is because no one was there and he could be quiet and he could just listen to the Lord. And as he did, it's a powerful, powerful thing. Now, when I talk about tuning in, do you, do you, do you have, I know that things have become digital now, but you know, when I was younger, there was actually stereos where you turn knobs and um, so, uh, have you ever heard what a tuner is? It's that thing inside a stereo that's a receiver. Do you know right now, even though most of us aren't aware of it, there are sound waves going on all, all over the place. Not, not the sound of my voice, other sound waves, radio waves, all kinds of waves. But most of us don't hear them. Why? Because we're not tuned in. We don't have a tuner to hear those. But when you have a tuner, a receiver, it takes those waves, interprets them so that now they become clear. It's not static anymore. So we thought we'd just give you an example. So here's just an idea of how the radio used to sound back when you had a knob. Here you go. story is that God loves jazz. No, what I'm trying to say is this, is that before some of you are saying, look, I don't know how to hear God. There's two possibilities of that. One is that you have the Holy Spirit. He's already made you a born again person and now lives in you. And you just are learning. You just are learning how to be taught, how to listen to God. The other possibility is you've never been born again. You're simply a human being that is separated from God. And until you acknowledge that you have gone your own way, humbled yourself and received his free gift of grace and salvation made possible through the toning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you'll continue. It'll sound like static to you. But when all of a sudden you're born again, now you have the capability. Now he is the tuner in your life and he can take and he can interpret and you can begin to hear God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So people go, well, how, how does God talk today? And Henry Blackaby does a great job explaining this. He says this, is that the Holy Spirit of God speaks through the Bible, 
prayer, circumstances, and the church, other believers, the body of Christ. And he uses those different things. And obviously, it means discernment. I've talked to you about how he speaks across the ticker of our minds, our thought processes. I don't mean uninterpreted, undiscerned thoughts. It doesn't mean every thought we have is from God. But as we learn, he is able to make impressions on us, guide us. We may not hear an audible voice, but he speaks. And we can listen. And this is huge. And this is what he wants us to learn to get better at. Why? Because here's what I want you to see. Jesus knew where and who to go to by praying. Jesus knew where and who to go to by praying. So let me just talk to you about Mark 1. I'm going to read to you the rest, uh, 35 through 39. Here's one example where we see Jesus praying. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. See, the night before, he had healed, healed people. He had cast out demons. He had touched many, many people's lives. At the end of a long ministry day like that, he still goes out early in the morning and seeks his father. And then he says this, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus knew why he'd come, but he had, as he prayed, I believe that he was shown where to go next. And some of you are saying, look, as I rub shoulders, I don't know exactly where God wants me to focus my attention. He can show you if you'll listen, if you'll pray. He can show you. Let me show you the other passage in Luke 6. I think we have it here on the screen. Look at what this passage shows us about Jesus praying. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. And it goes on and gives the list of those people. And what I want to say is this. He, as he prayed, he was able to hear God's direction of where to go and who to go to. He knew exactly which people to spend more time with. And you and I need that same direction because we can't do everything but we can do something. We can't go everywhere, but we can go somewhere. We can't go to every person, but we can go to at least one person. And as we pray, we can say, God, I'm surrendered. I'm going to depend on you, but show me where, show me who, and even show me when it's time to move on. But show me. And as Jesus prayed, I believe that this is one of the ways he wanted to teach us. Look, this is what I learned through praying this way. This is what I learned. Now, here's a question, two questions that have changed my life, the more I've learned them in the last couple years. Ask, Lord, what do you want me to know and what do you want me to do? When you're praying, in fact, even when I walk into the day, at times when I'm wrestling through things, if I'm lying in bed, if I'm getting up in the morning, Lord, what do you want me to know right now? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? Some of you know that my brother and sister-in-law have been serving in the Philippines for 26 years. Medical missions. My sister-in-law is such an inspiration to me. And one Easter Sunday after they'd been in Manila for several years, she was so discouraged because my brother quickly picked up the language of Tagalog. Cindy had not. And so her interactions with people were more limited in this huge city of over 15 million people. So one day she's sitting in church. She says to the Lord, 
Lord, where do you want me to minister? I, I need open doors. I, I, I don't know who to go to. I can't speak their language. Do you want to use me? I'm available. Later that week, two girls knocked on her door and said, would you teach us English? We'll help you with the language. And that led to those girls going and getting some more kids. And eventually, my brother will tell you, in the last 26 years, the most powerful ministry, the most powerful thing that's happened in their ministry is not all he's done for people's physical bodies and their hearts. It's helping these kids have a future and a hope. But it was all because she was surrendered, dependent, and listening. What do you want me to know, Lord? What do you want me to do? And when you pray that prayer and you mean it, God will help you. He'll help me. This is how he wants us to go in this spirit. And so, if you're following along as we pray, and by the way, would you keep your notes out because I still have something for you to do, and I know sometimes I do the same thing. When it's done, I put them away, but if you just keep them out. As we pray his way, we go with Jesus into our community and world. As we pray his way, we go into our community and world. This week, I was talking with a man who um, we were praying together, and um, he was just telling me a story. He's up in years now, and so one of the things that he and his wife did with their two sons was to go and meet with a financial advisor. The financial advisor asked if she could meet with them because she just wanted to get to know them better, and especially since the sons were going to be the power of attorney and all that. So uh, my friend went into that meeting, and they had a great conversation, and he said, at the end of the conversation, as they were getting ready to go, he said, I just had this feeling, I just had this sense that God wanted me to ask this woman if it would be okay if I prayed for her. Right there. And she w was very open to that. And so uh, we just gathered together. I, I prayed for her. I prayed for God's blessing on her. And he said, when I got done, I could tell she was visibly moved. He said, it wasn't like she said, how can I trust Jesus right now? It wasn't any moment like that. But I could just tell I had done what God wanted me to do. And he said, as I walked away, I also thought to myself, and my sons got a chance to see me obey God. And I don't know what effect that'll have on them, but I did what God asked me to do. And I just thought, you're surrendered, you're depending, you're listening, and who knows where that'll go. But the way you rub shoulders with that woman in our community was better because you listened. This week, I had like the 14th conversation with tech people on the phone. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It seems like everything's broken that I have or that things have gotten disconnected, so I spend hours with people on the phone. You need, if I seem like a patient person, that's not who I am, okay? And so I, I was thinking, I could tell my tone was starting to go. Uh, this is like, okay, you're asking me to do that again. And I could tell, I could just feel rising up inside of me. And so I was trying to listen, and all of a sudden, across the tick of my mind, Colossians 3.17, the New Living Translation, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. And I remember thinking, um, I'm not doing it like Jesus would be doing this. Help me get there. And so I could finally say, hey, I'm sorry, I got a little short with you. Um, you're trying to help me. Thank you. Forgive me. And just keep going. 
So here's what I want to ask you to do. If you brought your journal, did you know that in the back pages of the journal, there's some places for Sunday, uh, Sunday morning notes? And so if you have that, take it out. But you say, okay, I didn't bring a journal. We, we prepared for that on the back of the message notes. That's why I wanted you to keep your message notes out. So here's what I wanted to ask you. Would you be willing to just, let's just practice this for a couple minutes. Would you just be willing to be quiet? I know there's other people around you. But would you be willing to say, Lord, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? Is it, are you asking me to surrender? Are you asking me to depend more than I've been depending? Are you asking me to just listen right now? And if you say something to me, I'll write it down. Is it where I need to go? Who I need to go to? Is it when I need to move on? What is it, Lord? I'm listening. Speak to me so that I can go in the same way that you went into each day. Let's just give God time to speak to us. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.